you a woman searching for purpose and success? A housewife? Maybe a single mother? You're in the right place. Welcome to Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Ms. Lisa Nobles. Activate, motivate, inspire. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. I am Ms. Lisa Nobles, your hostess, and I are host, and I am so excited and elated to have you join in with me today. Speaking of today, our topic consists of depression, its triggers, and so much more that we're going to discuss. I have a very important guest joining me for this empowerment segment at the Savvy Speaks Roundtable. This segment is dedicated in sharing the importance for recognizing depressive symptoms, understanding what depression actually is, how to overcome depression, and preventive or coping mechanisms one can utilize during this time. So we're going to give a warm welcome to my guest, Queen Catherine Angelina, who is a psychotherapist, healer, and poet. Catherine is a published author who resides in Canada and has a love for her puppy, Lucille. So welcome, Queen, to the Savvy Speaks Roundtable family. Our focus again today is on depression, its symptoms, preventative and coping mechanisms for overcoming depression. So, Catherine, welcome, Queen. Tell me, us, the audience, a little bit about yourself, please. I would be happy to. As you said, I published my memoir last year. I'm a psychotherapist. I'm a Reiki master, and I have just started to write poetry that's phenomenal Catherine. thank you so much for your time you've been with um we've been doing this a couple of times this week so i am so appreciative of your time thank you very much so are you ready family then let's talk about it depression it's symptoms prevention and strategies for overcoming depression so Catherine, can you please explain one more time for uh, for me as well as the audience what What is depression? Depression is a feeling of apathy. It's a feeling of you just, you can't get out of bed. You don't care about anything. You're you're either crying all the time or you feel like you have no affect. You have no feeling. You don't care about anything. And so you don't brush your hair you don't get dressed you just in these times now in these pandemic times i think the world together globally is suffering from depression because it is just so difficult to stay home stay with our feelings be isolated from everyone else it's a scary time Exactly. I agree 1000%. So how would a person know if they have depression? And what are some of the symptoms that they may encounter? If you're feeling like you just can't get out of bed, that you're feeling so, so sad about everything, about life. Mm -hmm. If, If you feel like your body aches, like everything is aching and there's no reason physically for all of these aches you just you feel so worn down 
Right. Those are symptoms of depression. Okay, awesome. So what role did or does your emotional or in other, in layman's terms, psychological state play in maintaining a healthy mindset, especially when the country is unitedly facing a pandemic such as COVID-19? It's interesting you mentioned that, Lisa, this morning. For me, this is what I do because I do not and never have suffered from depression, but I definitely suffer from panic attacks and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I have been having major panic attacks at three in the morning, almost every morning. And this morning at three in the morning, I was thinking about every single person on the planet that we are united. Part of depression makes you feel like you're alone in the world. I love that. No, that, that's, keep going. I love that. So for me, I'm just remembering that we are all together in this. The whole world, for the first time, I think, in, in the modern world, we're all together going through this. Everyone is struggling. What, what is, concerns me most are the women who are in abusive relationships, I am feeling for them. They, they can't get out there with their abusive partners. I'm feeling for children in poverty who, who are suffering. They don't have enough food. Yeah. And so all these, the moms are, they're just terrified. How can they feed their families? So I think we're globally suffering and panicking. I, I, I agree with you 1000%. Um, one of the things that I did want to rediscuss or reiterate uh, or ask you another question about if you could just briefly expound on the isolation element of depression. Because again, as we discussed earlier this week, we talked about how some people are so social. And they're not used to being in one, you know, you so eloquently put, yes, uh, on our Facebook Live on EWAP, how that some people, they're so used to being busy. So now, as you as as you as you are expounding upon that, everyone is struggling. So it's not like uh, it's just me by myself, or it's just you by yourself. Everyone is basically experiencing maybe a little bit different, but experiencing the same thing in the same way. So, can you expound upon what can someone do when they're feeling isolated? Well, I think what I do, and I can only speak to what works for me, and I hope that it helps other people is to remember that millions and millions of people are experiencing the same thing. And so even though I'm alone in my apartment, I'm not alone with my feelings. Right. And that, um, and that this is an opportunity because I, I like you am social and I love to connect to people and be out with people. And my, what I, because I'm single right now, mm-hmm. I get it's important for me to hug other people. Yes. Part of social isolation. We're not working, but if we're in our homes by ourselves, we're not getting touched. I love that. 
No, no, no. That is, I mean, that's perfect. I, because we were kind of discussing before the, <laughs> we were kind of discussing before the the interview began about Dr. Perry and his work and the, the, the dog, the boy that was raised as a dog. And one of the things that he talks about or advocate is that isolation and how we can, and not to have labels or he don't, he does, he and his team does not uh, label their patients specifically because he wants them to feel comfortable and empowered, if you will. How does that play in this element? Because because a lot of people, we're not thinking about human con contact. And from a psychological perspective, uh, many uh, social workers or psychologists or scholarly research proves that it, the, the importance of having social contact, the human needs that physical contact. So can you just expound a little bit more upon that? Of course. We're human beings. We, we are animals. And our animal nature drives us to, to connect with people. And so because we can't connect now in the way we did before, it's really important to stave off the depression, that we find ways to connect to others, either as we're doing on Zoom, right. on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I write, write a letter to someone Think of people that you've lost contact with, maybe yes. that you went to grade school with, phone them up. It's really important in, in this time to connect. And this is how we will heal, is through connection. If you have a higher power, if you believe in God, I personally pray to Jesus and work with Jesus. Ask Jesus to be with you or God, or Divine Mother, or whoever it is that is that helps you feel safe in this time. Ask them to be here with you. Um, put your hand on your heart so that you can feel your own body. You can, you can pretend that your hand is a mate, or is Jesus, or somebody or else that is there, because there is no one there. So we have to make ourselves feel safe. I, I love that. And and as as you uh, mentioned before, that's kind of this kind of lead us into our next question: Is depression genetic, or, or by what are the biological factors that consist with depression, Catherine? From a psychotherapist, of course. Of, of course. Well, and again, this is <laughs> I. I'm a psychotherapist, and. Uh, it goes without saying that all my views and opinions right. are subjective. That's so right. I feel that there is a 50 50. There's 50, 50. There's a split. There's environment and then right. there's genetic. Yes. So it, more than likely, if one or both of your parents suffered from depression, then you too will suffer from depression. In depression, though, is masqueraded by many things. If you turn to alcohol because you're depressed and then it makes you feel better, but no one talks about the depression, in your family, it was just happy hour. And then you saw your mother or father drink, and then you drank, and you didn't really put together, you know, I'm drinking because I'm sad. I'm drinking because I'm shy. I'm drinking because I don't want to feel the feelings. So wow. this is boosting my ego, and now I feel free. Exactly. Or, 
for me it was food. I I used I I didn't even understand that I felt anxious or or depressed. The moment I had a feeling, any feeling, I would just grab food. I I yeah. didn't have that time delay. And so I encourage all of our listeners now, take a moment, take a second before you grab the chips, before you grab right. the beer or the wine, and, and just ask yourself, how am I feeling? Where am I? I love that. I love you. I, I love that. I love your words in essence. Not I love you as my sister in Christ, but of course I love that. So how does the social climate during this time, I mean, you kind of spoke to this a, a little bit um, to a person developing a depression. So how can the social climate contribute to depression are uh, reoccurring if a person has previously overcame depression or other men, uh, mental challenges? How imperative is is for that person to be in tune with their their feelings at this time? It's interesting that you talk about that um, off camera. We were talking about kindness, and you had said that often people don't realize that they're not being kind. Let's take that and use that in the same way with depression. I think often people don't understand that they're depressed because it's been their base level for so long. They mm -hmm. don't understand that not that being sad is, is not their birthright, that they have choices. And, you know, it's a slow slide. Right. Especially now when we're locked up, we might, in the beginning, the first week, we might be okay. The second week, we're in our pajamas and we don't get out of them. Right. I, I agree 1000%. So um, in essence, what you're, or, or in, in essence, what I think I'm hearing you saying is just to be cognizant, to be um, uh, aware self-aware during this time especially um, because we want to protect our emotional states at all costs so what are some some other coping mechanisms for overcoming depression you speak about and you advocate mindfulness as well as meditation for me um mm -hmm. i have a monkey mind i my mind is all over the place all the time and so to retrain my mind and that that mind tripping leads me to my anxiety. And so for me, what works in the morning is I, um, Dr. Andrew Weil came up with this breath work. And it's very simple. You breathe in for four seconds. You hold your breath for seven seconds. Mm -hmm. And you breathe out for eight seconds. And it kicks in the parasympathetic nervous system. And so it just relaxes your body. I do that for 10 times. Right. And again, simple, maybe a minute or two, three minutes at most. It really helps me just to come back to my body. 
Right. That that's amazing. I think that that's very important and, and a great uh, avenue that some of us are not be, being aware of or paying attention to. So, Catherine, you also advocate walking in nature, and it's also a good alternative to preventing or overcoming depression. Can you please expound in a minute or so more on this reasoning of why you advocate that? Absolutely, Lisa. There have been studies that I've read that mention that walking is almost as effective as an antidepressive top pill. Oh, I so it, it just, and again, you, there was no marathon. There's no time frame. I walked for hours, but I walked slowly. I'm, I, I, and I just appreciate being out in nature. I love that. Oh, I love that. Can you please expound, Catherine, a little bit more about, you said um, walking is almost as good as an antidepressive antidote. I think that's key because a lot of people don't understand why, you know, um, the elements involved in walking. So can you exp expound a little bit, a, a little bit more on uh, that being a, 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 a antidepressive antidote? Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. I, it, it's really important to move your body. Awesome. And so by moving your body, you get your heart rate up. Uh, you're connecting to the outside world. You have to be in your body to be aware of what's going on, especially now. It's important when you're walking to remember to socially distance yourself. So you wow. have to be aware of you. You have to be aware of the other people. And as you're walking, just be what I try to do is just be appreciative. Hey, I'm walking. I'm out in nature. I'm alive. I'm grateful. I love that. So um, when you're saying that uh, I'm grateful, we all know that or we've heard or we're aware of when we work out that the body uh, increases its endorphins when we're moving, right. moving, which also taps into the do dopamine part of the brain or the cerebrum or whatever you want to call it. So I'm probably cerebral cortex. Yes, yeah, so, cortex. so can you expound upon that a little bit on the, the endorphins? Because not only does it help in that effort of, it, it also makes us more positive in our mindset. Can you expound a little bit more about that? The endorphins, it's like happy juice. Yes. So when you're walking, your body gets filled with this happy juice and it kicks in. Um, just a more positive mind state. And so it's really important to get yourself out and keep moving. And again, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be long. If you do it even for 20 minutes a day, in mm -hmm. a week, you will feel better. You will feel better. That's awesome. I love that. So from also from a psychological perspective, can't you, you speak about certain foods? We, we've, this, thank you. This is your second time on the podcast, the first time on the uh, Facebook live. So I, again, I'm a, very appreciative as well as the audience from your psychological perspective. Can you, you advocate food and how it's connected to our emotion? You kind of talk about that, spoke about it briefly earlier. Um, so what certain foods contribute to depressive or states of anxiety? and what types of food could one choose to contribute to an influx of endorphins? Um, well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of backstory. And so awesome. 
um, because I had an eating disorder for, for over four decades, um, I was always self-punishing. And so I wanted to be good. And good yes. for me meant thin. And so I would starve myself, and then I would be starving. Then I would have an apple. And then my brain would say, uh-oh, Catherine, you're bad. Well, I had the apple. Well, I might as well drive to McDonald's now. So I drove to McDonald's, ate like a hamburger and fries. And then I was like, okay, I'll drive to Wendy's. And I would have another hamburger. And I would continue that every night till 5 to 12. Because I knew the next day I would be good. Yes. So it's important to get that good-bad mindset and throw it away. What we're trying to do in these trying times is be good to ourselves. And what works for me is protein. Protein staves off depression. Protein is the most important thing that we can do now. So, um, a I little bit. No, no, no. I love that because I didn't. Uh, that's that's a new point that you um, that you added was protein phases off depression. And then uh, one thing, really quickly, because I know this is an additional question uh, in about a minute. Self punishing. I want to revisit that. You may have spoke about it in the first pop podcast on eating disorders. You can go to my website and find um, Catherine's first podcast. Um, so self-punishing. Why is that so important now that our audience understands that those behaviors, when we don't deal with um, our past pains or traumas or whatever, that we will do things to substitute and bring us back into a state where we we have to punish ourselves in such in, in, in different ways, if that makes sense. I don't know if that question is very clear. Uh, yes, of course it does, Lisa. Uh, you're you. very clear. You are a great interviewer and a great <laughs> motivational speaker. You got to keep <laughs> Go um, ahead. Um, and so for me, and I think for so many women, society tells us that we need to be beautiful to be happy. Right. And beautiful is thin. And so we starve ourselves to be good. And then, but starving is not a natural state. So, and then we're hungry, and then we binge because we're starving, and then we're bad. So we keep cycling with the good, bad, good, bad. It's important to just drop that especially in these times, and mm -hmm. say, how can I nurture myself? What, what, is, what food can I eat now to nurture my body? Forget the thin or heavy or beautiful. I just want to nurture myself. Right. I, I love that, um, especially the nurturing part. And I, I'm going to take a note of that. And if we have more time, I'm going to come back to that because I do want you to expound about on that. Because earlier you also spoke to something that was very uh, pivotal was uh, the that 50, 50 percent um, of us who ex uh, when you were speaking about the biological factors that contribute to depression in a person, mm -hmm. you feel that it's 50 50. And I, I, I feel that way as well, that uh, that. 
50% is from our natural environment or that nurturing environment. And then the other percentage is from genetics or biological factors that, you know, just are passed down through our genes, you know, so I do understand that. But me and you and I both discussed in the past uh, feelings about medication. I think this is very important, especially during this time. What are your thoughts about medication to reduce or help want to overcome depressive states? So, uh, a disclaimer, I've personally never taken any antidepressants, but I do take, I suffer from allergies and I do take allergy pills. And I think of antidepressants in the same way. There's such a stigma in our world now about mental health and, and using pills to regulate our mood. Right. I, I think of it as the same way as taking, um, Allegra, which is what I take. If I don't take the antihistamine, I can't breathe. It's nothing to do with weak or strong, good or bad. Right. If go to your doctor, that will help you. It might take a few tries to get the right pill, but I strongly suggest that medication helps to support you. I, I, I agree 1000%. I, 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 for me, um, one of the things that used to scare me about even striving to become a PhD or wanting to have that goal was I had this, uh, this facility, this, this false belief that medication is not good for anyone. But then as I've learned over the years through education, of course, formal, formal education, that some of us really do need medication to regulate, you know, our emotions because our depression states can get so, you know, deep that we need something to help level us out. What are your thoughts from that, from that perspective, Catherine? Um, so for me, I, um, have this rare disease called Mobius syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so as you can see, my speech is a little bit different. Right. I uh, look a little bit different and it was never diagnosed until I was in my fifties. And so I grew up thinking I was bad. I was weird. Okay. I was flawed. And I think for me, it was on the outside for so many people. It's internal. They're bad. They're weird. They're flawed. But it's just like me, the genetic lottery. So if someone genetically gets just a misfiring of the synapses in your brain, you need a pill to help heal your brain. It's just an aid. It's a tool. It isn't a good or bad thing. It's a tool like, like a computer is a tool. Right. I, I love that, Catherine. And something else that you advocate is, is radical acceptance. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit. You, uh, so what is, can you share with uh, myself as well as the audience, Catherine, what is radical acceptance and how does it help with depression? Again, for me, because I suffer from what I see is the flip side of depression, which is anxiety. It's it, anxiety, depression are like twin sisters. Okay. Um, and so radical acceptance is okay. I'm freaking out right now. I don't, I, I, I relax into it. I go, Catherine, you are flipping out right now. I'm not denying it. I'm just accepting it. And I tell myself, and this will pass. I'll just let it move through me 
And even though I acknowledge, I'm acknowledging it. It's acceptance. Radical acceptance is acceptance of what is. So right now. I love that. Right now, if the person we're talking about depression, right now, if someone is lying in their bed as we speak, listening to us, crying and saying to themselves, I shouldn't be crying. That's not radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is I'm in bed, I'm crying, and it's okay. I love that. I love that immensely. Really quick, you spoke about an, uh, radical acceptance is the acknowledgement of what is. How imperative is it that we, again, going back to self-awareness, how important, relevant is it that we are conscious, we're making conscientious choices to, um, to acknowledge what is our situation, I'm, gu I'm guessing. I believe you're as strong and healthy as your shadow self. And awesome. the shadow is, is the part of you that you don't want to look at. Right. So, and for a lot of people, it's depression, it's rage, it's grief. And so radical acceptance is making friends with the depression, making friends with your rage or your grief by just acknowledging, you know what? It's here. I'm not going to run away from it anymore. I love that real quickly. Would you take, would you say that that takes a certain amount of strength, e even emotional strength? And and I know yesterday or the, the day before we spoke a little bit about mindset. Could you real quickly incorporate mindset and why it's imperative that we maintain a positive mindset as um, you're, you're saying that depression and, and your uh, other uh, emotional elements that we're experiencing is to be friends with these type of issues so that we can overcome them in, in about one minute. Can you expound upon that? And then we'll do your closing tips. Um, yes. So what helps me is little motivational stickers. So I, all around my apartment, I put up, Catherine, you can do hard things. Yes. I believe in you. Yes. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Anything that you feel will help you. Um, just acknowledging that these are extraordinary times and that it's okay to be not okay. I, I love that. I love that. And you know, I wish we had time to expound upon that. That is okay not to be okay. I'm going to write that down for our next session. <laughs> You shared a lot of tips today, Queen Liz Catherine. You shared a lot of tips and a lot of keys for us to move forward, forward within our lives and overcoming depression or, or, or making sure that we don't maintain those type of negative emotional states. In one to two minutes, can you please share with the audience your beliefs about depressive triggers and how one can reduce them and maintain a balanced life during this time of worldly challenges? I think, first of all, you can't heal what you don't reveal. Come on. So <laughs> you, must, you must acknowledge to yourself, and this is hard. It was so hard for me, but, the, but very ultimately freeing. Own, own your shadow. Own what's going on and say, I'm struggling, Lord. I'm struggling, God. Help me. I'm struggling, with with my depression and so call your doctor call your pastor call a friend 
own. It's so important now to reach out. And if you do need medication, find a way to get that now. It's so important. Okay, so what, just real briefly, what are some recognizable triggers that people, we're not always conscious of this. Remember, we've been in a fast-paced world. We're trying to work. We're trying to take care of our kids. And now we're almost at a standstill. What are some triggers or some example of triggers that the people at home may not even know that this is what's setting me in this state? What, in your opinion, what are some of those triggers? If you find yourself screaming, all the time at your kids that. spouse that's a trigger if you find yourself crying all the time and you Love just it. don't know why mm-hmm. that's a trigger if you find that you have no affect no feeling at all and you're a little flipped out that you're not feeling anything that's a trigger. I love that. No, I love that, Catherine, because I think that a lot of people, uh, and, and of course, you know that I advocate that a small section of that in my book as well. And, and, and we've had, we've talked in extensively on that. I think a lot of people don't realize that when we're, we're outwardly displaying our emotions, that like you said, those triggers are so important because we're dealing with a, a, a deeper issue. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's rarely, if you're yelling at your husband because he turned the heat up again when you asked him to keep it at 68 and now it's at 72, it's rarely about the heat. Come on. Ask ask yourself, what is really going on? Do you feel, you know, you're you're together, but do you feel isolated? You're cooped up together. Usually he's out working, you're out working, and now you're together 24-7. It's a lot. Give you and him a break and just maybe ease up, ease up, ease up on yourself, ease up on him and ask yourself, is it really about the heat or something else going on? I love that, especially the part where you said, give yourself a break, give your husband, give your family, give this whole situation a break and just breathe, which goes back to your, what you advocate about mindfulness and as well as meditation. Thank you so much. One more question, because we do have a one, a, a one, uh, one to two minutes. Are depressive symptoms a direct correlation with one's emotional, psychological states? Uh, can you expand on that a little bit more? In essence, when when is our states? Is it a direct? Is it a direct? In re, sometimes some of our states say our negative states. Is there a direct relationship between our negative states and depression? In your your professional opinion, uh, absolutely and. Sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. Come on. We've been so depressed for so long. We think this is normal. And so now that we're not able to go out, it's heightened. So this is, this is a time to really be gentle with ourselves, be kind, and, and ask ourselves, you know, do, do I need help? Should I phone my doctor? Am I crying 24-7? If, if all these things don't help, the breathing, the meditation, the praying, if that isn't working, don't be afraid to reach out, call your doctor, talk about medication. 
I love that. So, Catherine, you have, well, not so, Catherine. Catherine, you have shared a lot of tips today, um, and I'm so appreciative. Can you please share a, uh, a social media site where people can reach you for more information about your programs or your offerings? Yes, even though I didn't, I don't know if I mentioned earlier that you're in Canada. So I'm in Canada. You can (laughs) uh, message me on Facebook, Catherine Angelina Love, or you can email me at Love Cat Inc. L O V E K A T I N C at gmail dot com. I love that. I am elated to have participated in this show today, family. And I know that someone somewhere was touched by this wealth of knowledge. Thank you immensely to the queen of the Savvy Speaks Roundtable, Catherine, who is a psychotherapist, author, and healer, as well as a poet, where you can find out more about this phenomenal woman at www.iamlisanobles.com slash podcast dot html. And as a bonus, please visit www.iamlisanobles.com nobles.com slash resources.html where you can receive free material for being a part of the Savvy Speaks podcast family. I love you. You know I do. I truly do. And thank you for being a part of the show. And remember, family, remember my mantra. And as I always say, you are, you are a unique combination of experiences, both in purpose, strength, and destiny. Have a great week. I'll see you right here next time on the Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. Thank you and bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Ms. Lisa Nobles online at imlisanobles.com and on Facebook and Instagram at EWOFP. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review and we'll catch you next time on Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. Activate, motivate, inspire.